0: The Latter-day Lives Podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to Episode 187 of the Latter-day Lives Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier. Thank you so much for checking in with us again this week. We really appreciate it. Uh, Before we get into our amazing conversation, I do want to thank a couple of new reviewers on Apple Podcasts. Uh, They are a listener named Rob Roz and Z. Webs. And thank you both so much for your five-star reviews and your incredibly kind words You know, these reviews sure help when people are looking for good content and they're searching for search terms like Latter-day Saint. Uh, It helps them to find our podcast, so we really are grateful for it. Another thing I want to point out, and I do want to thank our listeners who have participated, you know, we have uh, an amazing uh, social media manager in Skyler Fleming. He does such a great job. And he has been sharing on our social media our final question, but with our listeners, and that is, what does being a member of the church mean to you? And if you want to participate, you can either send us a direct message on Instagram or on Facebook or email social at latterdaylives.com. Tell us what being a member of the church means to you. And uh, Skyler has been sharing it on our social media I love seeing what our listeners have to say uh, with their answer to the final question. I just think it's awesome. So please jump in and participate with us on, on this. Okay, my guest on the show this week, Del Parson, might be the most iconic artist uh, that we could possibly interview. Uh, I was so blown away when I went to his website DelParson.com, and I, I would almost suggest if you if you're not sure exactly which paintings Del Parson has done, go to DelParson.com. It is unbelievable how many paintings he has done that are hanging in chapels, in temples, in church offices, in mission homes, uh, on the covers of uh, programs in wards, baptism programs. I mean, all these iconic paintings. And I had some really incredible experiences, not only talking with Del, uh, but then editing and putting the show together. And in fact, uh, this week in my latter day life, I will give a little bit of behind the scenes on my feelings about this week's episode. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's Conversation. (laughs) And today, here on the Latter-day Lives podcast, we are so fortunate to have on a world-renowned artist, one of the most talented men, and uh, you already know his artwork, even if you don't know him, uh, you have seen so much of his art all over the place, you can't miss it. Del Parson, welcome to the show. I'm
1: so glad to be here, Sean. Thank you so much.
0: I think that, you know, right now, so many of our listeners who already know you and love you are super excited to hear your story. And in case we do have a few out there who uh, maybe don't think they know you, if they go to delparson.com, I'll put that up up front. That's D-E-L-P-A-R-S-O-N.com. Click on gallery. And you will be blown away by, oh, my gosh, I know that piece and that piece and that piece. So many. But first, uh, while I'm dying to ask you lots of questions about all of your amazing art, let's, uh, let's start off hearing about your younger years. Tell us a little bit about uh, where you grew up and where you're from.
1: Okay. My father was an art professor at Ricks College. And so I was always around art. We had... He nine children. I, I think growing up, uh, the, the most important part was it just seemed like my dad, he just lived for art. He, he was just so immersed with it. We'd go on on uh, excursions. He'd load up a station wagon. It was an old woody, one of those mercuries with wood down the sides. Uh, and I love we'd it. Like, would have a camp trailer behind. And my dad would just go out looking for places that he wanted to paint. Mm. And we'd be driving down the road, he'd see something, he'd pull over, set up his easel. And sometimes my mother would set up that camp trailer and that's where we'd spend the night. So my younger years, I was exposed to painting and drawing and and art shows and, the, you know, the whole thing. What a great way
0: to grow up. Uh, so your father did, did he do primarily nature then?
1: Boy, he was just really a well-rounded artist. Uh he wasn't what I would consider, uh, you know, like a, a production type of artist. He was more of a teacher. Mm. He would sell, sell work occasionally, but he did sculpture. He did ceramics. He did landscape painting. He did uh, portrait painting. He just did everything. I actually have two brothers that are in art. Leon is a phenomenal artist. He, does, you know, if, if you go to the... Uh, convention center, you know, and, uh, at Salt Lake where they had the, you know, tabernacle choir and all that. Yeah. he's done so many of the general authorities portraits. Really? Just numerous. In fact, I, you know, I'd say almost every, everyone that's there, he's the one that painted those. Wow. So that's Leon. And he paints a lot of paintings of, you know, like mural paintings to go in temples too.
0: Oh, that is incredible. So was this something that was encouraged by your dad? Did he kind of put the brush in everybody's hand to, to, to get them to started?
1: I just think it was just, you know, part of him. There was always paper and there was always, you know, pencils and things around, you know. So I don't know if he said, we want you to do this, you know, and really encouraged it. But he did nothing to stop it. Mm. So it was just kind of a natural thing.
0: How old were you when you first realized you have you that you have this artistic talent?
1: Uh, what, this, is, this is part of my story. When I started getting a little older, I actually did not think I was going to be an artist. I had a little bit of a period of time where I thought I was going to rodeo. What? Well, I wanted to rodeo. I was a terrible <laughs> rodeo, right? It's probably still be rodeoing. but anyway, I, I thought I, you know, like I kind of went through the rodeo period you know of my life.
0: Oh, that's great. So it wasn't until you were older that you really developed your talent.
1: Yeah. And I'll just tell it just, you know, uh, it's not as simplistic as this, but I remember there was a rodeo and I was at Rick's College and we're getting ready for the rodeo. They used to have a rodeo team at Rick's and we're getting ready for the rodeo and the coach was assigning different people, different things to do. And he and he looked over, and I thought he was going to tell me to go out there and ride the tractor around and rough up, you know, smooth out the uh, arena and things. And he looked over, and he knew my dad was an artist. He said, "What we need from you, Parson, we need a big sign to go across Main Street to announce this rodeo. So we want we want you to paint a sign." for <laughs> And and he, he assigned myself and maybe another other uh, cowboy guy. And anyway, we we're painting on this sign, and I remember him saying, you've got a talent. I wish I had a talent. And, you know, I, anyway, painted that sign. And I actually found out that I enjoyed painting the sign more than getting bucked off by the bull in the rodeo (laughs) that I, that I actually, and I don't know if that was totally, you know, that is kind of simplistic, but I started taking art classes for my father. And as soon as I did, I just, it was just like, like heaven, you know, and I you'd go in and you just you'd start, you know, drawing or painting, and, and all of a sudden you'd say, Boy, that looks like what I'm looking at, and it was just sort of magical.
0: That and is so incredible. I, so I just
1: kept, you know, kept doing that, yeah.
0: So, when you were younger, when you were growing up,
1: what were your hobbies? What were you into? I love nature, I, you know, probably. I just love to go on hikes. I love hunting and fishing.
0: You get through high school. What what came after high school? Did you go right to Rick's?
1: Yeah, I went to Rick's and I graduated from Rick's and then I went to Utah State for a little while and then I went to BYU mm. and I got for my undergraduate and also for my MFA or Master of Fine Arts.
0: And, and at, when you were at BYU... Did you know then, hey, this is my path. I am going to be an artist for life.
1: Yes. I I I just well, first off, I that's what I did. You know, I, I that's what I could do. You know, I, I like other things I did not really enjoy, other classes, but I loved art. So and I was better at that than anything else. So uh, it wasn't necessarily that that's what I chose. It was almost that's what I did.
0: Yeah, it kind of chose you.
1: Yeah, it chose that's... me. That's yeah.
0: awesome. Do yeah. you remember the first piece you did that you thought, wow, this is like professional level. This is this is something that people
1: would buy or that uh, a museum would hang? I, I can't. I don't think there's any one piece that I can think mm. of. You know, I, I do know when I was an undergrad, you know, like a graduate or started being in graduate school, I would do por- people's portraits and people would buy them. I don't that's kind of you know how I made some extra money especially around Christmas time or something
0: did you ever have in the early years a portrait that just didn't come together
1: or you just could
0: not get the pieces
1: to come together guess what that happens today now come on oh it does it does (laughs) you know as hard as you try some paintings turn out a lot better than others okay and uh you try as hard as you can on every painting Sometimes you just work and work and work, and it never really comes about.
0: How was your experience at BYU?
1: It was great. And I'm probably going to tell you what happened in my life, you know, the, the big the big change in my life. So here here we go. Yeah. I was at BYU, and my plan was to just go off and be an artist. And I kind of had somewhat ideas of, hey, I'm going to go off to New York and be a, a, a painter in New York, you know, just kind of as an artist, you're thinking that's the place you go. And I was sort of thinking, well, you're going to go there. And and I probably thought you're going to be a starving artist. You're going to be in a little single room apartment somewhere with a a light hanging down from the ceiling with maybe a chain on it or something. That's (laughs) sort of your big dream in life to go off and be an artist. The other thing I gonna just mention to you, I was not really what I would call a great Mormon boy. Mm, Okay. I was, yeah, yeah I, I think I, I, I kind of had a friend like the chief of police because I got to see him once a week. Oh, <laughs> so when I was, you know, it's kind of basically a juvenile delinquent. when I Wow. Was okay. Age. Uh, when I was at Rick's college, you know, I kind of, one of the top artists there and, and I won some uh, kind of major award. And so they asked me to have a, a one man show at Rick's college. Hmm. And I did. And then I did a painting that was kind of, you know, under, under like kind of a secret message in the back, which was a little bit not uh, the best thing to, to be saying about Rick's college and things. <laughs> anyway, I got in major trouble. Uh, and, and I was asked, I was asked to leave.
0: What? Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah I was asked to leave. But, but it, the semester was on, almost over, so I didn't really get kicked out. They just said, we don't want you to come back. It was right at Dece- in, in December. So, but hey, but the rest of the story, which I just think is so interesting, uh, maybe 15 years later, and my state president that was really involved in kind of some, some of this a little bit, 15 years later, I was giving the uh, Young Alumni Award From Rick's College, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) is that kind of ironic? So, in your acceptance speech, did you mention that you were uninvited? No, I did not. But what the (laughs) coolest—the coolest coolest thing around was here was that state president of mine that was so upset with me. He uh, he was in the he was in the audience, and I'm up there giving my acceptance speech, and I'm going, "Oh, you know, you're just going, what is this?" Anyway, right after he just came up and gave me a great big hug, and I think that's the church.
0: Oh, uh, what a
1: blessing! That's, no, the, that's
0: that is the church. Yes, the
1: church. The church. You, you make some mistakes, but the leaders are just phenomenal, and and they're going to uh, love you and welcome you back. You know, you know. So I, I thought that was a real cool experience. Anyway, that is awesome. See, we're getting to things that I wasn't planning on talking about, but it just came out. Hey, yeah. I love
0: hearing it. We love. We want to hear all this.
1: Okay. Anyway. I was at Rich I mean BYU with all these big plans about what I'm gonna do. And all of a sudden I went to a dance and I looked across the room and there she was. So I remember going over, and I remember some other guys felt the same way. <laughs> so you had to kind of work your way through it. But but I asked her to dance. Here she was, and she was, you know, really a cute girl, but and she was on academic scholarship at BYU. But the thing that was most impressive about her to me was the fact that she really had really high standards. And, w- and when I was around this young lady, she made me kind of say, that's the kind of person I want to be. I started going to church. I hadn't gone to church as much as I should have. Like I remember going to church and hearing about a patriarchal blessing. Tony's mm. gotta to start talking about a patriarchal blessing. And I started falling. Falling in love with this young lady, and I had these almost nightmares thinking about when we get married, living in a, if we, if we did go that direction, living in some single room apartment in New York City with the restroom down the hall or whatever, and I I just go, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think this is going to, like, be a happy, happy thing, but anyway, went to chur- church, and I heard about a patriarchal blessing. I just really felt like, for some reason, it just hit me. I should get one. It would help me with my future. And I just kind of, I just really felt that. Yeah. So I, so I went to the bishop and then uh, went to the, to the patriarch. And I remember he put his hands on my head and started pronouncing this blessing. And I remember tears just coming down my cheeks, uh, this wonderful blessing for somebody such as I. And the thing that was most wonderful was it was about art.
0: Hmm.
1: And it said that art would be a joy to me in my life, that I would influence many lives for good, and that I teach the ways of the Lord. There it was, it was a lot more, but I think that's all I want to go into. Yeah. But, but it was just unbelievably powerful. And I decided that's what I'm, I'm going to be an artist. And I kind of felt someday I'm going to be doing some paintings for the church.
0: Obviously, now you're you're getting more serious with this with this young lady. At this time, you guys end up getting married.
1: I went back and asked that girl to marry me, and she said yes. And then there came a big question about where we should get married. And I did not know if I wanted to go uh, that far into the church, as far as getting married in a temple.
0: You
1: know, <laughs> go. This is this is a little too serious for me. Uh, I don't. I mean, religious or something. I don't. I don't know. I just told her. I just. I don't know if I want to get married in the temple. And, and guess what she said? Hmm. She said, "You do not have to get married in the temple, but I'm getting married in the temple."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So we oh, got. So we
1: got married. We got married in the temple.
0: That is fantastic. So here you are. You're a young married couple. Did did kids uh, start happening soon?
1: Yes, they did, uh, and, I, and I, I think in those days, and and I don't know if this is something to talk about, but I don't think it was it, it, like when you got married in those days, it's it your your job to have kids. You know, you yeah, didn't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you can remember that, you know. Oh, yes. Right. Anyway, so we we did start having children. I was married right before I started uh, my MFA program. So I got married and I spent three years going to school. And I think we had a child within a year. Boy, it was kind of tough going and being an artist. I remember uh, for about a year or more, it was actually just extremely difficult. It was actually very painful. When you start going out, I'm going to make a living. And my wife never got a job. It was just totally, if you sell a painting, you're going to do okay. I think with the patriarchal blessing, I felt like I should do paintings for the church. So I remember I was living in Las Vegas trying to make a living. And and my dad called me one day and he said, hey, Dale, up in Salt Lake City, there is an opening for a full-time illustrator and I go wow this is perfect you know a job you get paid you going to work for the church and so I remember really I remember this distinctly because I was 110 and I remember fasting about this when I drove up this so I could like so I can remember it was you know I can just remember that it's really it was really hot and there's and I was uh, very thirsty anyway I drove up to Salt Lake went into the church office building and said I would like to apply for the church, for the uh, full time illustrator's job. And I remember carrying my portfolio in those days, just rolls of drawings and some paintings and things. And the receptionist goes, Let me check. And they go back and say, There's no job. There's no full time illustrator's job here. And I go, Well, gosh, my dad told me there was. And, you know, I, anyway, I'm sitting there and I think she just kind of felt sorry for me or something. And she said, Hey, you know what? I, I think I probably told her I drove up from Las Vegas and things. And she said, you know what, since you're here, what if I call upstairs, it was on the 24th floor, and there's some art directors up there. We'll see if they will come, let you look at your, show your work and they can give you a critique. Would you like that? I go, hey, for sure. I went up on the, you know, got on the elevator, went to the 24th floor and I, I went, they showed me into a little room and pretty soon about five guys came in and they went through my you know my my portfolio my drawings and paintings and you know they are just things i could carry and i remember the critique was boy if you keep painting you're going to be a pretty good artist someday and then they walked out <laughs> and and i was i i, I was kind of gathering my up my things and also one of them came back and said come here for a minute and i followed him down the hall and I uh, went into a room and there was all kinds of like push pins with things all around the room. Anyway, it was the art director of the Ensign magazine. And he said, would you like to do some paintings for us? a, a painting for us for an article? And so they gave me an article and they said, this is what we'd, what you'd like you to do. And, you know, I go great. And I was really surprised on the deadline. And then Another guy came in and said, come here, and it was the art director for the children's friend, and they said, would you like to do a, cu- a couple of paintings for us for an article? You know, so it was illustrations, I guess that's what you call it, and I said, you bet, and I remember I didn't ask how much I was going to get paid, and I'm so glad I, wouldn't, I, I didn't because I wouldn't have worked as hard as I did, <laughs> but anyway... That's kind of a little bit of how I started painting, doing paintings for the church. I, I would do something every once in a while for the church. And there was no way you could make a living on what what, what I was doing for the church, for the Ensign magazine. It was, mm. And I remember that I had just sold a painting and we moved into a ward in Salt Lake area. It was actually West Jordan. And I remember the bishop getting up and it was right at December time. And he said, remember our building fund. Mm-hmm. And that was another thing that was in the good old days. You'd have a building fund every yeah. year. And they were, well, not every year, but they were build, building a new building, a new church building. And so the ward members were assessed. Each family was assessed a certain amount. And I'm, I'm going, wow, uh, here is the assessment and it was almost the amount that I got paid for this painting. And I was thinking, we're going to have a good Christmas this year. Now I'm thinking, what am I going to do? If I pay the building fund, I don't think we're going to have any Christmas. And I was also thinking, gosh, I just moved in December. That means it's only one twelfth of the, of the <laughs> assessment. Anyway, I paid the building fund. I have never had like this is this is really simplistic but I have never had money problems since that I just think it's kind of like uh, I felt like I I, I just felt like God was my partner and he wanted me to succeed I I started doing paintings for galleries and the paintings just did really really well and and there's probably more to to that story there's a guy named Ed Rogers he had a title company and I went over I was going to show him some paintings. And he said, uh, he was just an angel in my life, but he said, uh, what if, will you do a painting like this for me? And it was kind of a Western kind of painting. Mm. And he, and he said, I'll pay you this much money a a week. If you'll do some paintings for me. And I did for about two months. And then, and then I, I just went to the, probably, I thought considered the top gallery in the western United States and they took my work and for 13 years I, I just think I just sold paintings as fast as I could sell them. Ed Rogers was just you know just kind of a an angel.
0: When did you start doing because a, a lot of your work is Christ. Right. Um, I mean it's a, a lot of portraits of Christ as well as you know um, life shots and scenes.
1: When right. did you start painting Christ? Okay, this is the rest of the story here. The Ensign Magazine called one day, and they said, will you do a painting for us of the spirit world? And I go, what would you like in the spirit world? And they basically said, we haven't been there. So you can do whatever you want. Mm. And a lot of times you're doing a painting, you kind of imagine being there. So if I was, you know, all of a sudden I died, I'm in the spirit world what would I want to see? And what would I want to do? And I thought, I would like to see my wife in the spirit world. And so Mm -hmm. I I chose a painting and I decided to paint her uh, meeting me in the spirit world. As we were painting this painting, she just out of the blue said, what would you do if I were to die before you do? And I go, why are you asking this question? And she said, I'd just like to talk about it. And and I, and I kind of said, well, I think I'd get married again. And that was the end of the conversation.
0: <laughs> that was a short one.
1: That was, a, yeah. A short time later, it was maybe, maybe it was a little longer than a short time. We had a, a Indian placement girl staying at her home and she missed the bus. My wife took her and the children to school. It was like 15 minutes away. She didn't come back. I go, wow, what's happening? The phone phone rang, and it was a police dispatcher saying, we'll have an officer at your door shortly. The doorbell rang. I opened the door, and a policeman said, I have some bad news. Your wife has just been killed in a car accident. I think people go through these kind of things, but it was unbelievably just overwhelming, and... uh, and what's, inter- what's interesting at that moment, you know, you go, what's what's important? What's this life all about? And at that moment, the only thing that was the most important to me was that I was married to my wife in the temple. And then I tried my hardest to keep the covenants. That was more important than my home, my job, painting, anything. Uh The officer said, "You've got to pull yourself together because you have some hurt kids too." And I went to the hospital, and I had three children at the time. Two were unconscious, and in a bad way. One had a broken leg. Uh, I remember pleading with God that He would spare my children. I remember giving blessings that that they would, that especially one would live. And I and I and when I was doing that, I felt I should not be do, asking for this. I just should not be asking for it. And my dad came down from Rexburg, and I went to, and we went into that little girl and said, "I will be done," and she died a short period of time later. Now, how does this relate to the Christ? Sometimes the very very worst of times is sometimes one of the best of times, and 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 uh, when that little girl died. I had beautiful experience with the Holy Ghost. He's called the comforter. And I just felt like the Holy Ghost just was there. And he put his arms around me. That's what it felt like. And I've never felt that kind of love before. I've just never felt that. It was just so unbelievably beautiful. And you felt Love just this all powerful love. And I felt like uh, in a few moments, I felt like he kind of taught me some things, what's right, what's wrong, what's the purpose of the church. Anyway, after that, the church asked me to paint three paintings of the savior painting of of washing the feet, knocking on the door. And they also, there was another painting and they said, this is a, this is going to be an important painting if, you know, if it works out. And that was a painting of the Red Road Christ. I painted that painting and and the other th- three, and after, after that, it seemed like people just start asking me to paint paintings of the Savior. The church did, a, I don't know if the church asked me to do a, a lot of paintings, but, you know, just other people started asking me. So that's kind of how I started painting paintings of the Savior. And right now, it's almost like if I have my choice, it's just more meaningful for me to paint a Painting of the Savior than something else. I just get more satisfaction out of it. Mm-hmm. I work harder on it than anything else, but I just get more satisfaction painting the Savior than some other subject. You're now a single father right. um, yeah.
0: with kids who have been through trauma and physical as well as you know, emotional, losing their mother. This is such a turn the world upside down moment, Dell. Were there yes. in those in those quiet times was there was there at all a temptation to turn the other way and go? This can't, you know, this pain can't come from a holy place.
1: For some reason, no, you know. It's, wow, I, I remember even thanking God uh, for the opportunity of having this experience. I just turned. I really turned to God, Oh, Dell. I'm going to back up just a touch. Right before my wife is killed in a car accident, she had some sisters that had decided the church was not true because they'd been reading some literature. And they came over to our home. They had some good points that I was hard to, you know, refute. You know, I mean, some good information that was against the church. After a while, they left. And I remember talking to my wife about it. And I said, well, what do you think? And she just goes, the church is free. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to mess with this. (laughs) But I kind of go, you know, I don't know how to answer some of these questions. And so I had, it it was really a a kind of a interesting experience. My wife dies. I had a brother, Leon, the other artist. He was in California. He was, he was finishing up his school there. And he was off and he heard about this in an, he wasn't home. He was somewhere else. Anyway, he heard about this accident. And he said he went off by himself and he knelt down and he prayed. Just you know I just just how can I help Dale or whatever. He said that my wife appeared to him. And told him to write some things down to tell me. And these and you know I probably had the paper the paper that right in my desk right here but I I'll just tell I'll just tell you what. What she said. She said, "Tell Dell that I love him. Tell him that I miss him and miss my children. But I'll be happy here. Also, that there's a, she's involved in a greater work." And then my brother said, "Is there anything else you'd like me to tell Dell?" And she says, "Yes. You tell him the church is true. He'll understand." And, I, and he goes, what? Anyway, she went, he told me that she went right in, up to his face and pointed to him and said, you do it. You tell him the church is true. He'll understand. You know, I probably if my house is burning down, I would grab that paper and take it because it's meant so much to me. There was also an, an, another part that said when you meet Dell and you give him this paper, the Holy Ghost will be there and confirm that these things that I, they're here are true. And this is so that you might know that I am. That's kind of a, a little bit strange writing there, but that's what it, what it was. just. This is so that you'll know that I am. So that was. Oh,
0: uh, that is beautiful. Right. What an incredible experience and what a blessing in a tender time.
1: To very have that come time. through? And by the way, I I, I met a, a wonderful, wonderful lady later. I went. I moved up to. You know, I kind of didn't want to be around the home that home. When I was in, just wanted to get away for a while. Uh, moved up with my parents for a while to help with the kids in uh, Rexburg, and there was a wonderful, uh, wonderful woman teaching there at, at Rick's College that we became acquainted with, and. <clears throat> You know, she's another angel. that Came into my life, and and she quit her job and went off to be an artist wife.
0: How fantastic! And how long have you two been married now? We've been married forty something years. So yeah. this is a long time. You know, a long time ago. This is wonderful. And then, do the two of you have children together? Yes, we have four children. Yeah, what a blessing! I also will interject here. Uh, To your wife's credit, she is also
1: your IT person, so that's wonderful. I can't can't do a thing. I'm not good at well. Hey, we this is this is kind of, and she's starting to regret this the thing the deal we made. I said, hey, I'm asking Mary, and and here's our deal. I'm going to paint, and you do everything else. And she said yes, but now she's starting to think that wasn't a good idea. That that, that's not she. After we've been married forty years, and I think just recently she's starting to wonder. What is what was this all about? Uh, you know, but, yeah. but she's she's just been a a genuine uh, help, and uh, I think being an artist is is really demanding, and and she has just been great to help with well, my career. Yeah,
0: she did a tremendous job getting it so that we could have this interview. <laughs> <Right>. So I <laughs> I am very grateful for her.
1: Yeah, you, and, you tell I was. An, I just backed off and said, "Hey, there you go."
0: <laughs> i love yeah. it so now i want to get into some of these works of art because okay. del you have painted some of the most iconic just incredible uh paintings that our audience far and wide knows very very well
1: well you know the one that's been published by by far the most is that red Robe christ but uh the, a painting that just, I just very happy with is one is called "Perfect Love." It's Christ with children. I, I think that one is is. I, I just think it what it does. It it it's just shows Christ with these four uh, three children. Christ is very accessible. They're happy, and it's just it's a painting like it's it's that painting where I got that feel like the feeling when when my daughter died. It's Christ's love there. And and I'm very happy with that painting.
0: It's one of the things I love about our church is that we have paintings like this that are embraced. Um, I know a lot throughout Christianity is a lot of Christ on the cross, Christ in Gethsemane. It's a lot of pain. It's a lot of. But this is how I love to picture Christ. And it's such a beautiful painting talk about the process. Were these children that you knew? Did you, and, and then for Christ, did you have someone sit for it or what's yes. your process? Yes.
1: Okay. The process is I teach it at Dixie State. I just had a student and I looked at him and I go, boy, I really like your nose. <laughs> He's had a great nose. <laughs> so I said, Hey, I'll, I'll tell you what, what if I pay you $300 if you grow a beard and posed for a painting I'm doing, and so he said I'll do it. So I think about I think I think he grew his beard for three months or something. I, anyway. So then I knew some people. Uh, my actually my daughter in law had a sister with some some children. So three of her of of the children in that painting are hers, and then and then their friend is another person. So, and and what you what I do as an artist, you take you know you take all, photos, and then you probably sometimes it's almost impossible to get the perfect photo. So you'd probably take a little bit from here and a little bit from here and a little bit from there and, and put it together.
0: Yeah. Incredible. One of the most beautiful pieces, you know, another one with children, uh, which is just called Christ and children has a really cool backstory with the uh, primary general
1: presidency. Basically what happened is, uh, one of the board, maybe one of the primary presidents, he went to Africa, and she said, you know, she just came with this feeling that we've got to have Christ with more, you know, with different nationalities. And so that that was asked, I was asked, you know, to paint that painting. I think the only thing that's kind of funny about that is my son is one of the models, and his good friend was playing soccer with him as the the, uh, young black boy there. Anyway, uh, I painted the painting, and I, I was asked to do some more paintings for the primary. And we went, uh, I was up in Salt Lake, and it was it was hanging in the foyer at that time. And my son went over and sat underneath the painting, you know, sitting there trying to take that pose and hoping somebody would recognize him. <laughs> and nobody said a thing. So it was a big, major uh, di- disappointment in his life anyway.
0: Another one I wanted to talk about is, you know, we, we have a lot of paintings and interpretations of Joseph Smith. Right. You have a stunning portrait of Hiram Smith. Yes. How did that come together?
1: Well, I did a painting of Joseph Smith, and uh, it was for a book on Joseph Smith. And then someone else was uh, writing a book on Hiram, so they asked me to paint a painting of Hiram. And what's really cool on both those paintings, I actually used a death mask on both of those paintings. That I remember with Hiram... I was doing it, and it seemed like you know I was using the death mask, and I go, something's wrong with it. His nose is out of line or something, and then I realized he'd been shot. And you know that death mask had been shot in the face, and so I. But uh, so those paintings were done basically using the death mask, and I thought the one of Joseph Smith, he had that cool smile on his face too. That I just thought was amazing in in, in death.
0: Another truly iconic piece of yours is he is risen right uh, which has jesus coming out of the tomb um how difficult was that process to figure out something i mean because you capture him coming out which means a whole lot to a whole lot
1: of people right and i don't i hope i don't ruin your the cool thing about it but somebody just commit you know asked me to paint that painting And it was, I was living in Cedar and and somebody called me and said, would you do a painting of Christ coming out of the tomb? And they said they had just been to the Holy Land and visited the garden tomb and they experienced coming out of the tomb. And they asked me, would you do a, a, a painting for me of that event? And they also said in that particular painting, they said, I would w- I would really like you to put the painting of the red robe Christ face on that painting. Mm. So you, you can see that it's, it's similar. Anyway, so I, so I said, you bet. I'd, I'd be glad to. They told me, well, I'll, I'll come up and talk to you about it. And I, and also I, I said, okay. And I hung it up. And about 30 minutes later, he says, I'm here. And I go, what ha- just happened? Anyway, he, he had a jet <laughs> and he flew up. And, oh. <laughs> and he anyway so he came over and I had him put on a robe and pretend like he was maybe it was maybe it was a friend that he brought with him sorry it was a friend and he was back behind and we we're talking about it so in my living room I had him pretend like he was stepping out of the tomb and that's where the paint that painting came from the story isn't quite as you know I love this. Are you kidding? <laughs> okay.
0: I love these behind the scenes.
1: Right. But, you know, the, I think I think always when you're painting a painting like that, you, you, you just really try to say what what you know, what kind of feeling is there? What 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 event? And so that's what you're trying to do is to say, here's somebody that oh, you know, our savior, he overcame the tomb. So, you know, you're just trying to put those kind of things together.
0: And it's interesting how much meaning people find in your paintings. Does that surprise you? Like, I know that on this one, people have commented to you about how the way Christ has his hand out, one hand kind of pushing off the tomb and one hand sort of reaching out. Does it surprise you when people find meaning that maybe you didn't intentionally put into your paintings? It does.
1: Uh, but, but you know, sometimes you, like as, when you're doing a painting, uh, you, there's so many thoughts that go through your mind. You, you know, so, so to say that maybe that thought didn't come, I mean, I, re- I remember like that Red Road Christ painting, people are, would, would tell me, well, one side is justice, one side is, you know, mercy or something, and I'm going, that's a great thought, I never thought of that, but I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, but it, but I think it's just, for me, it's just fine, I, I, I it you know, if, if that's what people see in it, That's great. I think as an artist, sometimes like with me, when I remember painting that painting, that I wanted the expression, I wanted the hair and things to be a teeny bit ambiguous. So people's idea of of their Christ could fit in in, into that painting. If if you paint it too, uh, just like like you put every little hair or something, it becomes another person other than your idea of what a Christ would be.
0: So I have that happen sometimes with photo or video, where sometimes I'll see a video or a photo of Christ and I'll go, wow, that is how I see him. And then some other actor will play him. And go, Whoa, that's not him, <laughs> right? <laughs> I think we all do that a little bit. So a question that maybe there's no good answer for, do you have a favorite, Dell? Del? Do you, do you have a personal favorite?
1: Well, I have a couple. One, I, I really like the painting of the lost lamb, Christ holding a lost lamb. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's one of, that's one of my favorites. And uh, I think the reason I love that is because, you know, I think when I'm painting that painting, I, I think uh, I'm the lost lamb. And, and God loves me. And, and he's left the 99 for me. You know, so, so it just means a lot. So I think that's one of my, one of my favorites. Beautiful.
0: Any others? Or is it like children?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, you're, you're always hoping the next one's gonna be the best one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some, yeah. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't.
0: How long do you think you'll keep painting?
1: I'm planning on painting for a while. I, I do know that uh, what I see from people, they start losing their capacities. So I'm probably gonna I'm gonna paint until that happens. You know, like my paintings might get start getting more uh, Broad stroked or something, you know, different. Like I think Rembrandt, when he started getting older, his paintings like got kind of cool. You know, so we'll see what happens.
0: Well, your paintings have been such a blessing. When you go in your life, you go through your travels. You go into church office buildings, or you go to museums, or church sites. Does it does it ever catch you off guard when you see one of your paintings hanging, like in a ward building, or? In a you know a temple area, anything like that.
1: What is so interesting uh, for me when I see a, a, a painting, I just kind of think that's my savior. I don't know for sure if I say that's my painting. It's actually kind of humbling to me, you know. If I if I see paintings, just you know, and then and then the most humbling is if you see one that you wish it hadn't done and you could do better. <laughs> that's even the worst.
0: <laughs> do you have that happen.
1: Yes, all the time
0: you're your own worst critic
1: yes I am now oh. some paintings I wish I would not have done they're just not yeah. all right,
0: I, I I won't I won't ask you which ones because that would ruin it for someone who would say <laughs> I know, I hey know. that's my favorite uh, by the way I understand <laughs> there are episodes of the podcast I get tempted to take down because of my own performance in them but right. but I can't imagine any like any of these. Do you ever have a hard time finishing a piece, like saying, "Okay, now it's done"?
1: I do, I, uh, and I think I've ruined more paintings than I fixed. You know, you mm. paint and, and what you do is you just paint. You want perfection, and, and it's impossible. You can never be perfect, but you but you strive for it. And, you know, and you paint and paint, and sometimes it you you get they're ruined. But I think most of the time, what I do, I just say. I just have to quit. I just it's, it's it's been too long, and and I you know it's not perfect, and, but I think what happens it gets to a point where it doesn't ever get better. It just changes. That's when it's time to quit.
0: Ah, uh, that's great perspective. I'm sure we have listeners right now who are sitting here thinking, "I love art. I'm not great at it," or "I love painting. I love the process, but I'm really not that." good at it and and sometimes our own self-doubt kind of jumps in on us and they're thinking I'm certainly no Del Parson. What advice do you have for people who love to paint or love to do art generally, even if they think they're not great at it?
1: You know what what I love about art, I've known people that are like retired dentists or older people that start doing art. I think art is a wonderful thing and and you can do it like you can start at even a later time in your life and you're going to be okay. I, a good friend of mine, his name was Wallace Lee. He was a dentist. He was 58 years old and he retired because he just didn't like being a dentist. But he started taking art classes and he said, he said, boy, art saved my life. And before he passed away, you know, a while ago, but he became a unbelievable great artist. There's other people in our ward that are just you know they they just take and done some paintings and stuff in their later years and and when they uh, and they're just gorgeous paintings so I just think go for it now if, if you ask about what about making a living at it <laughs> uh I would just say consider the price it's going to be a very you're, you're gonna have to like just you have to have a wife that does everything else. <laughs>
0: And here we are full circle, Dell. I've yeah. so thoroughly enjoyed this. Before we ask you the final question, I want to make sure people know that the, probably the best way I assume is your website, which is yeah. Del, delparson.com, uh, D-E-L-P-A-R-S-O-N. And uh, just it is such a joy to scroll through and just see all of these incredible iconic pieces that I've seen so many places. We're going to wrap things up with the question that we ask all of our guests, and that is, Dell. What does being a member of the church mean to you?
1: Well, it it means everything. Just like the the fact that you're going to see your see your family again, it gives me hope, mm. great hope that I'm going to see my family again, and you're going to be with your wonderful uh, children. and And I just I'm so thrilled about my love of the Savior. I, I just love the Savior. I, I don't, you know, I, and it's kind of a little bit, I you go, why? Why do you love us? It's, it's. I think it's just inside of us that we love the Savior, and, and I, it, you kind of just turn it over to him and just say, thank you, and that's what the, the church is. Hopefully, when I see him again, I hope he's not going to say, You know i didn't really like those paintings (laughs) no 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 yeah Yeah. but you're hoping hoping he's going to be okay with it anyway Uh,
0: i i i would never i would never expect that i could speak for the savior but (laughs) i i am quite sure that he is very pleased with how you've used your talents he is a husband he is a father he is an incredible artist who has built the kingdom by sharing his talents with millions Del Parson, thank you for sharing your Latter-day Life with us. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Sean.
0: And my special thanks to my guest, Del Parson. I'm so grateful for Del, so thankful for his incredible example and all the good he has put out into the world. What a blessing it was to get to talk to him. So this week in my Latter-day Life, I want to tell a little bit of the backstory of our conversation. I don't normally do this, but uh, I've had some feelings that I felt pretty strongly to share. When we first got on, Adele mentioned that he really wasn't 100% comfortable with uh, the medium. And uh, as we talked about in the episode, his sweet wife was so good to help us figure out the sound and we finally got it all dialed in. And Adele mentioned he doesn't do a lot of personal interviews. He doesn't take uh, he doesn't get the opportunity to share his story very often and he told me up front he said I'm not sure on some of the things how much I really want to share and I reassured him I said Del this is your show Uh, you share only the things that you feel comfortable with and when we got to the part about uh, his wife uh, his first wife passing away and his daughter passing away there was kind of a moment where he stopped and he said, I'm not sure how much I want to say about this. And I again reassured him, "Dell, you can share whatever you would like to share. And then he said, I feel strongly right now that I need to share this whole story. And he opened up and began to uh, explain what had happened and to tell us. And if you listen closely, I noticed as I listened back, um, as he's talking about his wife, you can actually hear me sniffling <laughs> because I couldn't help myself. I cried when I heard it. And I was so touched by his faith. And the spirit was so overwhelming talking to Dell. And what the spirit just kept impressing on me is that this is a man who knows Christ. And he knows Christ in a different way. Then I know Christ from all the time that he has spent painting our Savior. And I just was so impressed with Dell and so in awe. And then, kind of a funny uh, side note uh, as I was editing earlier tonight, it's quite late. Um, I just got back from a barbecue competition out of town and my wife was getting ready to go to bed and she came in to say goodnight and I was editing the episode and she looked because I was quickly wiping tears away. As I heard the story again and cried tonight and was so touched by the spirit. But getting to listen to it again tonight was such a blessing for me. This last week, and the last couple of weeks have been really hard for me. I've struggled the last couple of weeks and um it's just been tough. And I don't know why I've just felt really challenged with some some just things in my life. And tonight I was tired. I I wasn't quite in the mood to sit and edit an episode and to put it all together. But as I started listening to Dell mm, and I started hearing his faith and his energy and his love of the Lord, my goodness, my heart was so full. And some things I've been praying about, I really got answers because of some of the things Dell opened up about. And it was a good reminder to me because I didn't want to share this. Uh, I certainly didn't want to share with thousands of listeners that I, I've struggled I've had some struggles that I've really been praying for some answers, and, uh, and it's hard. But I think the more that we can all open up with each other, the more we can be that for somebody else, and that's what Dell was for me tonight, and that's what he was after I interviewed him. And I think that we all know God and we all know Christ in different ways. Again, I think that Dell has gotten to know the Savior by painting him. And this is not doctrine, this is just my thought. I think that parts of the veil are thinner for Dell, and that they had to be so that he could capture the Savior through his medium. But every one of us has gifts of the Spirit. And He really inspired me tonight to reevaluate how I'm using the gifts that God has given me. Where is the veil thinner for me? And where can I serve? and how can I help other people? And my heart is just so full tonight. And that was an answer to the prayers that I've had recently. And what a blessing Dell is. And there were he wasn't gonna share the part about uh his his brother seeing his his wife right after she had passed away. And he said, Well, I guess I will share this. And again, that touched me in <laughs> in such a way. And there were three or four times where he said, Well, I'm not sure. That I want to share this. And each time I always tell my guests, I don't want you to share anything you're uncomfortable with. And each time he said, well, I just feel like I need to share this with your audience. What a blessing it is. I hope we'll all open our mouths and that we'll all share the things that we're going through. Because the more that we do, the more that we can strengthen our brothers and sisters and serve them. And the more we do that, the more we get to know Christ, our Savior. I'm so grateful for him grateful for our Savior and uh, for all the good that he does and for all of the blessings that I have received and grateful for people like Dell and listeners like you and for this amazing church we get to be a part of. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day Life. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you know anyone who would enjoy these stories, I know we say this every week, but if you could stop, it would mean the world to us. And just think of someone who might be down a little bit or who just needs a pick-me-up who would hear a story like Dell's and uh, and that it would really brighten their day. Uh, also, we again, we just so are grateful for our five-star reviewer's Thank you so much for your reviews. Uh, What a blessing it is to have the community that we have. The Latter-day Lives podcast was produced by Gene Chittister. Social media by Skylar Fleming. I've been your host, Sean Rapier, and I think that's about all we got for you this week. So until we meet again, there is a great big beautiful world out there. Go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening.